Hey, thanks for listening to Zero Brightness. If you'd like to hear more and help support the show, you can head to patreon.com slash zerobrightness or find links to all our socials at zerobrightness.com. No, stepmom, what are you doing? Uh, I'm rolling one. I'm rolling two. Holy fucking fuck. That year of yours was insane. I bet if I called my stepmom and I was like, oh my God, stepmom, what are you doing? She it wouldn't. She would just be like, oh, you know, I'm blah, blah, blah. I'm like, it wouldn't, <laughs> wouldn't land. I could, I could do the Pornhub thing on my drums and it wouldn't <laughs> register. Okay. So I said this in an episode that Cole and I were, were chatting. Uh, isn't that such a weird drum pattern? Like from a drummer's perspective, isn't that fucking weird? The Pornhub uh, drums? It's not, it's not weird. Um, I think... I think probably what it is is like it's a longer, uh, not royalty free, I guess, but like, uh, what's the word? What's the, what's the word for, um, stock? Like, like licensed, yeah, like licensed music. You like pay what, however much to just like use it in content. Yeah, I think it's just gonna be like a thirty second song, but mm-hmm. like they just clipped out one little thing, and then they probably just like paid a shitload of money to be like, no, no one else uses this. This is ours. Mm. It's just so and that's probably weird. why it sounds weird. It's yeah, it's not too weird. I think it's fine. I think it's weird just because it's got all those kick drum hits and they're all swung in this really weird way. It just to me it sounds more like someone tapping it out on like an NP, uh, MPC than it does someone actually playing it at a drum kit. Yeah, I just like it because it's slight. I guess slightly unconventional for something like that. So I like it because it reminds me of coming. Anyway, um, so today we're here to do about a, that <laughs> a year-end episode, which we actually haven't done in like a long-ass time. Uh, there was no 2021 year-end episode because I was feeling bad and I didn't want to do it. And I also kind of did like an episode about my favorite games from 2021, which were Solar Ash and Dark Souls 2, which uh, I'm going to talk more about today because fuck y'all, I played them again in 2022. So fuck it. Um, and also Resident Evil 8 was like the big winner of 2021. We spent like 18 hours on this show talking about it. And it was like, Ugh, I don't want to talk anymore about that. Um, yeah. Nothing else to say. Nothing else to Honestly, say. Honestly, we've, you know, with <laughs> we already did that. We did it again too. We just talked about it again. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, so for this year, I thought it would be more interesting to do a year end episode. Um, partially because this year was kind of weird. Uh, Definitely. Tell su- me about it. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, personally, this year sucked ass. Um, and I know you share the sentiment. Uh, mm-hmm. But I think in terms of video games, there were obviously some very big game releases. But I don't know. In in horror games, I'm not sure that there were so many big releases. And I kind of didn't notice until I looked at the slate for next year. And it was like, holy shit. Like, next year is insane i mean i know it's mostly like remakes and shit which is kind of Mm -hmm. depressing but it's also kind of puts in the stark relief like how we didn't have a ton of big releases this year which was cool because it makes room for like indie stuff and to check out older games and that's kind of what a lot of this list is i think just kind of glancing at it um there's a lot of indie stuff there's older games because, you know, as in the past, the rules here are basically it can be anything we played this year. It doesn't have to be something we played for the show. It doesn't have to be a new game that came out this year. And uh, yeah, so it's a little different kind of list this year. 
Um, I also, you know, one thing for myself I'll say is that I didn't play as many games in terms of like sheer number. And it was more like I spent more time playing the games that I like, uh, which I think was partially mm-hmm. a philosophical mm-hmm. thing to kind of like <laughs> reorient myself and also partially like just not feeling snowed under by new games coming out, you know, which like next year, I definitely feel like I'll feel more like, Oh my God, there's too much shit coming out. Um, which is not a thing you should ever have to say in your life. Uh, (laughs) My reason for playing a lot of video games is different. I think. Yeah. Well, what what was I did? What was that? Decent number of video games. Look, do you really want me to like trauma dump for my entire past year on this, this year episode? It'll probably happen throughout. I think it's fine because like, I I mean, okay, we both had health issues this year. Mm-hmm. Very different health issues and yours a lot more severe. But, you know, I had to get these eye surgeries. They started late last year and they went into this year. And so I spent a lot of time inside. Um, I spent a lot of time in the dark because I was super light sensitive. Um, and so like after the day I got surgery, I could like that the initial day I couldn't look at screens, but after about a day or two I could, but I still couldn't like be in direct sunlight that hurt really fucking bad. And so I basically became like the 12 year old nerd version of myself again. And I was just like, I'm just going to stay inside and play video games. And yeah. And I know that like you were having your own health issues that made you like, you know, well that's that ties into the first game on the list anyway so uh elden ring elden ring yeah elden ring came out you can't see it but i'm doing the the emote thing where you put (laughs) your arms up really slow in the circle oh yeah for sure it's my favorite one well yeah let's just fucking get into it so the way this is gonna go (laughs) is uh let's get right into it let's get right into it um, the way this is going to go is we're going to talk about a couple games that we shared. We only had two in common, and then we're just going to uh, volley back and forth like we're playing tennis here. Um, so let's start with the big one, the big game that came out this year that I think a lot of people listening have probably also played, which is Elden Ring. Uh, came out in March, which was when I was still recovering, which is when you were still going through shit. Um, so I, I managed to dump 150 fucking hours in this game and play it twice. Well, uh, actually, it came out right before more of my shit. Oh, it shit. came out in the middle of my shit. Right. I had one week. I actually had... Um, I bu- If I remember correctly, it came out one week on the day before I had to go in for surgery. Right. So I got it. Uh, <laughs> I also bought a new monitor and a new graphics card. Oh, uh, specifically so I could play Elden Ring because I was like, I-, I have to be able to play Elden Ring. Right. Uh, and I got, I think I got like thirty-five hours into it, and then like that was it. <laughs> uh. And I think uh, about a week ago I reinstalled it. Yeah. And I was like, no, okay, I'm back. Like this rocks. Yeah. I remember now. I remember why. So, you know, I unfortunately haven't played nearly as much Elden Ring as everyone else. Right. But it was the only game this year I got to be um, really hype about. Yeah. And like, I talked about my whole journey with it. It came out. I didn't like it. And then I loved it. And now I think it's like the best FromSoft game. Uh, yeah, it's it's fucking amazing. I think they they hit all the marks. They did the thing. Um, it's an achievement. It's a super amazing game. Uh, I played so much of it. It's obscene, like I said. Um, and I don't know, like, I always think about, like, our counts are, like, weird in video games because I feel like everyone else 
just plays more games than me. So when I actually hit that like crazy hour count, I'm like, damn, yeah. this is really nuts. Cause like that's like 150 hours that I wasn't playing my favorite video game, Pro Tools, and that's <laughs> bonkers. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's it's that's a, how you know it's good for me. I, yeah. I mean, I played Metal Gear Solid Five for that long. Not that I think Metal Gear Solid Five is like the best game ever, but like uh, playing it, like actually sitting down and just engaging with it, I think is really good. Yeah. Well, and there's something too about that type of game where like when you make an actually really good engaging open world or sandbox or whatever you want to call it type of game where you can just run around and do random shit or you can restart the game with a different play style or whatever you want to do. Um, when you do it the right way, you can just dump hours and hours into it and it doesn't get old. It stays really, really fun. And that's kind of what they've done with Elden Ring. Like the only thing that I didn't like in it really by the end of the game, I mean, I had my criticisms here and there, but the only big thing that I hated was the last boss. I think the last boss is really bullshit. And I think the rest of the game is so good that it made me really want to beat the last boss. And like, I didn't have that same experience with Dark Souls, for example. I mean, that's neither here nor there. Point is, Elden Ring rules. Uh, it's amazing. I loved it. Uh, they added a bunch of new stuff recently, which is cool. I guess it's mostly PvP, which I'm like pretty uninterested in, but I think it's neat just because like they opened up those mysterious coliseums that were around the world. That's just like a mm -hmm. cool idea. Hmm. Um, I mean, I just know I've been getting like uh, summoned more. Oh, like there's the one item I forget what it's what it is, but it's like yeah, it's one of those things where like if someone is in need of help, they can just summon you from wherever you are. Right. But it like it's happening a lot more frequently, and yeah, I did. I that happened the other night, and like the dude just kept getting invaded. I think uh -huh. so. I just was in there forever, but I was like, oh, this is still janky. Like it still doesn't work correctly. Um, <laughs> but it it's kind of fun. I mean, it's fun when you win because I won. I, like there there were so many people coming in and out that like I wasn't having to like fight four dudes at once or something right. like it wasn't that chaotic like it was literally me and like a guy who was doing like a deprived run but being guts from berserk i guess mm -hmm. like fighting me so yeah but i i managed to win nice. narrowly yeah it's a super fun game if you have any interest in these type of games you should play it and yeah it was funny in a year mm -hmm. that there were so many big marquee like souls like games that also from soft just kind of dropped the bomb on everybody with this one and uh yeah fucking rules take it from me i played it for way too long it's great yeah it didn't click for me i don't think really until this this recent kind of like comeback to it because before i just felt like it was an open world souls game sort of yeah for better or worse like it felt like open world dark souls 2 to me yeah and uh, yeah, I don't know. Like I started. Like I started actually noticing some of the like quality of life stuff they added, and um, how the how the changes they did make were, you know, at least a little more significant um, than I was giving it credit for originally. Right. So, like now, I'm not treating it like a Souls game as much as I'm treating it like uh, an adventure game. Yeah, and that's a lot more rewarding than uh, than treating it like a Souls game. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the thing with all these, every game in this style, whether it's from FromSoft or not, that like, you have to kind of go in understanding that it's just a game where the mechanics make more sense if you've played Dark Souls, but it's not yeah. gonna play 
like those other games. Um, and that that's that's helped me enjoy Souls some Souls like games a little more. I mean, I think a lot of them are just we talked about this or I talked about this. Like a lot of them are just really ugly and have bad combat. In which case, it's like, why did you even make this? But for the ones that don't, I think there's a moment of frust- uh, frustration that you can kind of push past by reminding yourself that's like, it's not Bloodborne. It's not Dark Souls 3. Like, the mm-hmm. dodge rhythm is different. The blocking works different, you know? And so I think with yeah. Elden Ring, there's a lot of that because Elden Ring is mechanically super rich. It's like kind of unbelievable how much it has going on mechanically. And so you kind of always have to remind yourself that's like, I should use this mechanic they gave me. I shouldn't just be like, it's Dark Souls remastered. I'm the remaster. You know, like, no, it's it's a new game. <laughs> play the new game. I mean, you should play the new game. <laughs> uh, well, speaking of playing new games, the next game on our list is old as fuck. Uh, it's not actually that old, but it feels old. It's Anatomy. Uh, we both played it in the uh, one of the indie grab bag episodes we did. It's from 2016. Um, and we Damn, it's not old, huh? Yeah, isn't that crazy? Howie. Uh, and we were both apparently so blown away by it, by that, uh, well, let me, let me start that again. We were apparently both so blown away by it that we put it on our lists. Um, so yeah, Anatomy, uh, it's really fucking good. I spent a lot of time being like, okay, I played 70 of these games. I know there was one that was really, really good. Which one was it? Uh-huh. <laughs> and then, yeah, and then I saw your list and I was like, oh, yeah, fuck, it was anatomy. Yeah. Because, like, I don't keep them installed and, like, the itch launcher doesn't do a, like, good job of, like, giving you, like, those sorts of statistics. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I couldn't really remember. I, I can't remember half of those games I played either, unfortunately. Like... <laughs> Yeah, I played too many of them, so they kind of dumped out of my brain just a little bit. Well, and that's that's kind of a neat meta trick that Anatomy plays unintentionally, or maybe it was intentional. I don't know, but it it, it, it exists in a genre which is that sort of low budget first person walking sim, very Gen One walking sim, like no mechanics, no combat, no nothing. Uh, it exists within a genre where there's a lot of cookie cutter games that are very similar, that don't have much to say, are kind of generic, and usually have one massive uh, piece of bad design that kind of ruins the game. And uh, Anatomy doesn't have any of those negative features, and instead is just fucking brilliant. It takes about 30 minutes to play, and has like a really crazy, engrossing story that I loved. Uh, amazing writing, voice acting, presentation, amazing sound design. It's just like all the stuff I'm always harping on about of like, this is how you make a good game. That's what Anatomy is. It's just really, really good. And uh, it's crazy that it's like the high point of this whole subgenre and it came out, you know, six years ago. And I don't think anyone's really topped it. I guess there's like the big, you know, top tier like walking sim games like devotion but other than that uh i don't think anything else really comes close to how good this game is and uh yeah anyone who hasn't played it you should it's like a dollar two dollars or something and it absolutely rips yeah it's it's a cohesive game made by one guy it's one of those yeah for sure still think that's the best way uh to make a game like that 
Yeah. It is really weird to me when a like a studio of people try to make a game like that. I think you I think you need someone who's gonna pay attention to like all the little tiny bits right. and how they relate and connect. Uh otherwise you just end up with something that's just like <laughs> jump scares, I guess. Well and and yeah, let me take a moment here to uh maybe just like kind of address that for a second because one thing that you're going to notice is not on this list as all at all are like any of the big first person horror games that came out this year and there were many you know there madison was the one that we covered for the show but there were tons of other ones that i looked at or maybe played a demo of or something and like None of them really grabbed me. Um, we, you know, you can listen to the Madison episode. I talk about this whole thing a lot more, um, and then me and Monica talk about it. But like, yeah, I just feel like that genre is is a dead end, and it really feels like it's hitting that dead end. You know, where it's just like this shit is getting so boring. Like even Madison is is a cool game. It does some cool stuff, but its two big ideas are like nonstop jump scares and puzzles that are so nonsensical that like I don't know. You have to be like standing on your head and like speaking in tongues to like understand what the fuck is going on. And it's like that's bad. That's not good. <laughs> and, I mean, it's a dead end. But I think unfortunately. Um from a mainstream point of view that that stuff's like in like that is that that is that um that just netflix garbage horror thing yeah for sure i, I won't name i won't name any uh names please don't yeah we can't get into this um like i don't know what it is but that stuff's in it's i don't know what made it really catch on but i think that brand of like it vaguely attempts to be like some prestige drama thing but it's horror and everyone's gonna say something about hereditary or something you know yeah, like for sure just this weird like the normies finally got to it but not but like instead of it just being like i love gore and chucky it's like it's this now yeah <laughs> so i guess there's always gonna be some trend within this meat uh, or not medium but uh but genre that's like just brain dead as fuck yeah definitely and it it's the same market forces that have been pushing it forever i mean this stuff is great for streamers it's i mean i've called it like streamer trash for a long time because it's like mm -hmm. streamers can play it and they can yell and scream and there's like funny weird stuff that happens and you know it's an easy edit for them it's exciting they can make you know youtube videos or or good like twitch streams or whatever they want to do with it and then it it then like services that out to all their huge audiences. So, you know, whether or not people are even really playing it in massive numbers, people are talking about it and maybe even buying it, you know, um, mm -hmm. or giving it a try or whatever. Uh, so it's a, it's a weird effect because like you hear about these games and you're like, man, this is a big deal. This must be like the new good horror game. And you play it you're like this sucks ass, but it's like, no, it's just the new, popular game because it fits into this media model you know what i mean it's like yeah i don't know it, it's it's like anything else where if you have a platform and the platform aggressively pushes something at you that there's a you know you're just like oh maybe this is the new thing and you're like oh no this is just a platform trying to make this happen and yeah. i mean it works it, it works for a lot of people right like it's just that's how 
pop anything works pop music pop tv it's like that's just literally how it works and it's a proven model that works so i'm not gonna sit up here and be like they're mk ultra mind controlling you but you know it's just is what it is in the case of like pop music i think pop music at least has a better chance of actually being good i guess for lack of a better term like like cause when a pop song is really good it's because there's actual there's some amount of like intent or craft behind it right um and it's not just like a jack harlow song or something <laughs> Uh, but also yeah and so i think i think in that medium like it's you're more likely to get like a truly good music out of it or at least you 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 used to be able to i don't really keep up with any of it now so i don't know yeah but um yeah i think in every other genre though it's yeah no they're just they're just making the garbage they need to make because it's the fun co-pop of tv or movies or whatever yeah well, for sure. And like Jack Harlow is a great example where it's like, what is this? Like, what is the, what is the point of this? You guys like it? Cause he's white. Is that cause like, this is yeah, terrible, know. you know? Yeah. My favorite thing to do is uh fucking look up. uh What is it? Industry baby. Oh yeah. But like without him, uh-huh. like there's just a, a YouTube video. That's like that song without his verse. And like all of the comments are like, finally it's listenable. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, yeah, all those kind of cookie cutter first person horror games, uh, this year were the Jack Harlow of horror games. I didn't really enjoy any of them. And anatomy was a good example of what a real quality, uh, work of art looks like. So play anatomy and, um, yeah, that's the end of that. And listen to those episodes about indie horror games if you haven't, cause most of them are good. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, they were all at least okay, but uh, a lot of them were better than okay. And those will come up again. Um, There's more stuff from those. Yeah, the indie apps we did this year were were great, exposed us to a lot of good games, and a lot of them ended up on this list. So let's keep moving, and we'll talk about more of them. Uh, Okay, next up. So now we're out of the shared picks. This is just my pick. As anyone who heard the episode knows, Justin wasn't too crazy about this game, but um, I put Signalis on here. Uh, I loved Signalis. I had a lot of criticisms of it. I found it to be a very frustrating game, and yet somehow I played through it twice. I spent a lot of time thinking about it. And yeah, I think more than anything to me, that just proved that it was really, really good. I really, really enjoyed it, and I thought it was just a really fucking good uh, work of art. I love the presentation. I love the story. Even some of the frustrating survival horror stuff, it just like a classic survival horror game, when you play through it again and you're more familiar with the systems and how to do things and what order to do them in, the game is a lot more breezy and fun. Uh, so I think I see what they did there. You know what I mean? Where it's like, okay, I get it. You were trying to give people the exact same feeling they got from playing like Resident Evil 2 back in the day. And I think that, um, I, I don't know. I was pleasantly surprised to see that it works in that same way. And I could easily see myself replaying Signalis over and over, you know, once a year, once every other year in the same way that I've done with like classic Resident Evil games. And uh, yeah, the difference being that it has better better presentation, better story, better pizza, Papa John's. So I really <laughs> like Signalis, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm glad you added it to the list because uh, I wouldn't have been able to add it, I think like uh, maybe 
maybe not like not in good faith, but right. like I just didn't I didn't cling to it quite as hard, but I think I think it's good that it exists and people should play it if that's if this is a genre they enjoy. Right. To any extent. Um but yeah, like <laughs> I just knew I wouldn't have as glowing of a of a review a second time. So. Yeah. <laughs> No, definitely. And it, it's like, I, you know, everything I said and you said in the episode still stands up 100%. That it's like, it's a frustrating game. And it's not supposed to be, you know, not frustrating. <laughs> like, that's clearly intentional and by design. And there are certain things I think would have been a lot better had they not made it so old school and not made it so frustrating. But uh yeah, I found that to ultimately be transcendent and I really liked it. I guess that's another thing about this list is like we're really just putting games on that we loved. And for me, especially anything that I played more than once, I was like, that's an automatic ad. Uh, personally, that's like an easy rule. Cause sometimes it's hard. We were talking about oh, yeah. this before we went live that sometimes it's hard to figure out like, what do I put on here? Cause like I played a bunch of games this year, even just for the show. I liked almost all of them uh but what makes like this kind of list and for me it's like well it's something that i really loved how do i figure that out well did i think about it a lot did i play it more than once you know there's all these kind of clues so for me signalis was an easy like easy dub but um but yeah play signalis it rocks uh okay mm -hmm. next let's do one of your entries that i don't even get what it is but you do say <laughs> these words a lot so next it's <laughs> deep rock galactic okay uh, that's it's easy to understand. You're a dwarf. You're in space. Uh, you work for like a mega corporation that is harvesting a planet, and so you just you it's like a co-op uh, PVE game. Okay. So you like load up, you drop in, and all the maps are procedural. Like there's biomes, but they're all procedural. Okay. So it's you're never you're never like replaying maps. They just kind of like it'll be the ice one or it'll be the like this is a jungle but it's a cave one you know stuff like that and you're just uh mining for minerals and killing alien bugs nice so it's kind of like starship troopers hell but yeah being a dwarf prospector <laughs> and you know there's just it's uh I, people like to do the thing where they like to talk about like good live games or how a live game should be or like whatever I don't know but I, it's a game I got for I got out of a humble choice thing so I paid what $11 and I've spent I put 150 hours into it Damn. since I got it 155 yeah uh, since I got it in like July I got it uh, right after I lost my job oh sure <laughs> and so I was like yeah I just I really like honed in on it um, and I still play it yeah, maybe not quite as like aggressively, but like it's an easy game to just like hop in for a few minutes because like a run's only going to take you know fifteen to twenty minutes and uh, there's like it's a it's a cozy game for me I guess like it's a game where like you don't even need to have voice chat but like it feels like you're in like a social group because there's so many voice lines and you can you can spam a button where you all just kind of like cheer mm -hmm. and stuff. And so there's just like a lot of that. Like no one's actually like using voice comms or even the chat all that much, but you're all just like, <laughs> I don't know. Role playing as dwarves. And that's, that's fun. It's a, it's a wholesome thing that I kind of needed in my life. Yeah. And the gameplay aspect of it is good. It's a fun loop. 
the numbers are always going up. It's not like a weird free to play game where you have to keep like spending money on battle passes and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's lots of ways to make your dwarf look cute. Nice. Yeah, I mean, it sounds it sounds cool. It's clearly fun because you played it for that much, you know, and like and you're not just like I'm addicted to it. You're like, no, it's actually fun, you know? Yeah, like I in in between like when I got it now, I've played uh, I wouldn't say a shit ton of games, but a pretty decent number. Some of these that are on the list I like played in that time, like I definitely didn't like no life it or anything. Some people do. You know, right. you got your people in that game that are like level 10,000 or whatever. But I'm like, no, that's not for me. Yeah, <laughs> thanks for sure. I will say hearing you talking about the the way the multiplayer and the chat and stuff works. That is something I really like about from games is like when you get paired up with someone who's not just like a weird asshole and you kind of yeah. like do the emotes at each other and like mm-hmm. or, you know, I, I think that's really fun. I think that's much better than having actual voice chat if it's like with strangers, you know? Yeah, like rarely is anyone like an actual asshole. I think generally if someone's like an asshole, they just like leave. They just yeah. pull out of the match. Yeah, because I don't think any I don't think any of the activities you can engage in are like um they're not set up to where someone leaves. You can't replace them or like whatever, anything right. like that. Like it's, it's pretty drop in, drop out. So yeah. Yeah. Usually if someone's just like pissed off at like someone being bad or something, they just leave. Yeah. Like everyone's pretty, pretty chill. I've certainly never seen anyone like on or like seen anyone in the text chat or on voice, like raising hell. Yeah. So nice. No, it's uh, so yeah. If you need, if you need a social game, that's uh not going to make you want to, you know, KYS. <laughs> there you go. You you can't do much worse than paying $10 for uh that game, this game. Yeah. Yeah, Deep Rock Galactic, obviously based off of the classic folk song Big Rock Candy Mountain. Uh, good stuff. Red Sugar. We love it. Um, you rock and stone, you ain't coming home. <laughs> yeah, okay. Sounds sick. Uh, thank you for sharing. I, I think I should check that out. I would play that with you. That sounds fun. Can you play? Is it easy to like jump in with people you know? I haven't done that, but it's there's like a little um, like a, you like have a little hub. That's the space station where you do all your fun stuff and pick your missions. So, OK, nice. like when you when you queue up together, you can like you just run around in someone's instance of the of the thing and. I yeah I think it's very much built around like an easy co-op experience. I think th- I think fortunately unlike uh uh reverse reverse uh-huh. it's a lot easier to like get a get a group going. Yeah, well nothing is as bad as that. So yeah, mm. low bar. Uh, we talked about that. Okay, let's let's talk about the next game or I'll talk about the next game quick cuz it's one that I spent an insanely long amount of time playing and uh, What's that hour count at? What's it at? I want to know. Dude, uh, I don't even know. Um, should I look? Let's look. Because I didn't expect you to play it that much. Yeah, so so the game is near Replicant. I did a whole episode on it. Um, I'm very proud of it because it's an essay that I wrote, and it goes into detail about a lot of issues that I've been wanting to talk about um, for a long time. Uh, and I was, it was very satisfying to kind of get that discourse out there. Like, you know, it talks about, uh, Hideo Kojima stuff and it talks about, um, 
Suda 51 and it talks about objectification of women and it talks about narrative and, and internet discourse and all this stuff. So yeah, the near replicant episode I'm, I'm very happy with. I like the editing on it a lot too. Um, I kind of, you know, put in some of my weirder editing ideas. And uh, yeah, so in order to do that, which I didn't do for the episode, I did it because I wanted to. I did it for myself. Uh, I played 50 fucking hours of Near Replicant. That's not too bad. I feel like I have like 30 in fucking Automata and I haven't like officially beaten it. So yeah, the thing about Near Replicant though is that there's really only like 15 to 20 hours of like unique content. And mm. the rest of it is just replaying the same part of the game I mean, over and over. Isn't and over. that what Automata is? Uh, no, it's it's much worse in Replicant. Okay. I mean, in Automata, gotcha. technically you're right, but they change enough that it doesn't feel like that, and it kind of okay. like feels. And I talk about it in the episode how I think Automata took Automata is kind of like a remake of the original re- Near in a lot of ways, where like they took the things that were kind of wonky in that and they streamlined them. Near Replicant is like doing the real uncut, you know, like crystal meth version of the same game. <laughs> so it's a lot fucking harsher. It's a lot harsher. Real trap shit. Yeah. Real, real trap real shit. Trap exactly. Shit. Uh, it's a lot harsher, but I talk about it in the episode, whatever, you know, it's like, there, there's a kind of beauty and there's a value in that. And I ultimately like, I really enjoyed that experience. And I, you know, similar to what you were talking about with Deep Rock Galactic, which is actually why it's funny that these two were next to each other. I played most of that game when I was like about to start a new job. And so I was kind of like, all right, I'm going to just like stop doing my old job for like a week <laughs> and then like <laughs> let my work pile up. Cause like I still, I do both jobs now. I was like, I'm just gonna let my work pile up. And I'm just going to like only play this game for a week. And that's basically what I did. And uh, yeah, it was it was fun and depressing and weird and horrible. And I feel like playing that game uh, during like a pretty serious like life crisis really put the whole thing in perspective. And I think that's kind of where that episode came from was like. I know I'm going to talk about this shit eventually, but I feel very fucked up and bad right now. I may as well just talk about it right now. Um, and yeah, I, I got to say though, like I'll stop talking about it now because you can go listen to the episode, whatever, fuck it. But I will say that one <laughs> thing we ended up talking about a lot this year that we're going to end up talking about even more next year is how you remake slash remaster slash re-release an old game. Because uh, that's going to be a huge topic next year with all yeah. these remakes Seems coming out. And I have to say that I would put up near replicant as right up near the top of like how, like how you do this, right? Like what's the right way to do this? What are the best games in this style? I think near replicant is one of the best, like taking the original game, remaining faithful, even sometimes to a fault, but then fixing all the underlying mechanics, fixing all of this like annoying, like moment to moment stuff and just making a significantly better and stronger game. Like it's just extremely well done, you know? And like even having a different like graphics style almost completely, but keeping the aesthetic and the, the kind of look and feel exactly the same is very, very, very impressive. So I think 
this is the game that really gets that. And I think it could it could be that some of the big remakes that come out next year don't really understand that and end up, you know, being inferior in that regard, you know? I'm most curious to see how a uh, poor remake is. Yeah. Because it seems it seems like maybe it's gonna be a really big departure from what that game was but you know but it's that was just a teaser trailer so i guess anything is possible yeah i think i think four is going to be really good um the ones that i'm curious to see what they do with it and i mean obviously i'm curious to see what they do with it but i have faith that it's just going to be really fucking good um as someone who's a big fan of the original and like yeah the newer remakes which will come up again uh but the ones that I'm really curious to see, I mean, I'm curious to see what they do with Dead Space, uh, and I'm curious to see what they do with Silent Hill 2. Um, you know, not to say I don't uh, have faith in those remakes, or that I think they're going to really drop the ball, but I'm just, I'm just fascinated that they even decide to do these two projects, and I'm curious to see what they do with them. Man, I think the Dead Space one's just going to straight up be like... Uh, they're just gonna it's gonna be exactly the same i think yeah i think they'll just like fix the like there'll be less like loading screens i guess between like chapters or whatever uh and the graphics are gonna be better i think that everything else is gonna be like the same yeah for sure so i'm not (laughs) i yeah i don't know i don't like like i said before i'm not all that interested in it yeah i'd like to play it but i don't see myself like buying that game at launch or anything well we already said we're going to do an episode, so I'm going to buy you a copy of it. So you're going to play it. When did we say we were going to do that? We were talking about the Discord. I thought we said we, I thought we weren't going to. Well, yeah, but or then, maybe, but then Vincent, or maybe you said like we were, and I just like forgot that part. Vincent so, said bad. that he would, he would oh. play it. Oh, right. Okay. And then we could All do right, a panel. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're doing okay. a panel. Sorry, you're going to play it. Okay. Uh. <laughs> and I, and I'm fine with buying everyone keys if I have to. I don't care. You get a key. You get yeah, a key. Yeah, exactly. So we're going to do Keys a damn panel. Okay. Um, but anyway, yeah. Near Replicant. Good remake. Uh, good game. Go listen to the episode if you want to know what I think. Whatever. Okay. Next up. It's a you pick. It's called The Ascent. Me. I also don't know what this is. So please tell me. What is this? Uh, it is a cyberpunk. Uh, I wouldn't call it a twin stick shooter, but that's sort of the the type of gameplay it is. I like that. It's like a isometric view. Uh, like, I guess it action RPG, maybe like if you made a Diablo game, cyberpunk. Okay. And you have guns, obviously. I mean, you, you don't have to have a gun, but you know, there are guns and stats and, and gear and all that stuff. It's a little more like story focused. It's not linear per se, but there's not, there's not like dungeons quite as much like you can go pretty much anywhere on the map as you like gain access to it sure like like freely because there's kind of some stuff to explore but it's mostly a story game um i've just played it uh, a decent little bit here uh 17 and a half and i still don't know when the end of it is so i think it might be a fairly long uh, single player game and i know it's got like new game plus and stuff so there's probably some content there and there's a dlc Mm. for for those of us who love dlc i guess Mm -hmm. um it doesn't do anything fun i guess with this or like impressive with the story i don't think i think it kind of just treads the same water that fucking every cyberpunk thing ever does which is you just hear all the same proper nouns and 
everything's grimy and shitty in the courts and all that all that shit right it's fun to play um it looks really good apparently it's made by like a team of like a dozen people i think Mm -hmm. and it looks insane yeah like the amount of detail that is that doesn't feel like it's just like multiplied assets that's like unique Mm -hmm. is crazy for that like a dev team of that size um and it like i think there's a an occasional bug but it's like a really well polished just arpg yeah game um it's got it's a it's one of those those cyberpunk worlds where it like takes place in space so there's more speed there's like more than it's not just humans there's multiple like alien species um that are all really neat like the voice acting's pretty good the writings you know, pretty good aside from the part where like uh, so far nothing like really like thought provoking has happened. Right. But you know, when you're like, I want Blade Runner, but without the like Blade Runner stuff, <laughs> it's pretty, it, it it's pretty good in that regard. Um, I'm usually just kind of like, you know, iffy on cyberpunk because it can feel really, I don't know, sterile, I guess. Uh, yeah. So it was, it was, it was good to find, one of those that like kind of clicked on on every level for me nice that wasn't cyberpunk 2077 so. sure well you can also play signalis if you want something that i think gets more at the heart of what the genre is about you know and that's that's what that whole solo i mean i, I did like two mm-hmm. kind of two halves of the same episode on signalis and one of them was with you and one of them was solo in the solo ep i was talking about like the actual like novels that established the genre of cyberpunk that yeah i think those novels and then the kind of like big anime um movies and series that went with the genre are still the heart of cyberpunk as a subgenre like yeah i don't think that besides blade runner i don't really think that like live action or western movies <clears throat> have really gone too deep into it i don't think that like video games really have either because a lot of times it is just mm-hmm. a look and not really like a story or a feel thing and um that was a big reason why i was so taken with signalis is that like it's like yeah. oh my god they did the blade runner question what's a human are you a human <laughs> yes like like that's uh, the point <laughs> well for me even that is like like that that is good but i think you do need to like kind of go further with it um yeah these days anyway like i think we've done that a pretty good amount as well yeah but that's kind of the difference between that and this is like this game nails all of the aesthetic stuff a lot harder right like for me signalis just felt more like um just like a sci-fi thing yeah like you know there were some sequences i was like okay it's you know definitely set in what would be a very cyberpunky world if we had like a more detailed photorealistic perspective on it right um, but yeah, like, yeah, I mean, in the ascent you're running around and like, you know, you can't go anywhere, but like the skybox and the horizon go really far. So you're seeing all this like crazy detailed shit out, out in the back. Yeah. Um, yeah, but it doesn't, it doesn't like pose any questions really. Right. You're just a fucking, right. a dude or a lady, which is the other thing. Why can you only be a dude or a lady? Come on. <laughs> Come on. Come on. You know, you give them a penis and then you spend all your marketing dollars on making fun of trans people, you know? Yeah. Well, that's, um, I'm, I'm sorry. sorry that's, that's just called, called being epic. Yeah. Get into it. <laughs> <sighs> awesome sauce. Awesome sauce, dude. It's, 
Uh, I'm gonna kill myself. I feel like late aughts, early tens, bad internet like slang mm-hmm. and stuff is back. Mm. Um, no, I think it's put back. it back. Uh, <laughs> we're no, back. To- I, I haven't seen it, and I'm gonna keep it that way. If I see any of you motherfuckers, you're getting muted, banned. Uh, you can put people on timeout in the Discord. You're gonna have to fun. time me out because I do think Epic is really <laughs> funny. And I even the other day I threw out a little hokey. Hokey. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, it's it's back. Um, it's back. Uh, I'm, I'm gonna start putting lay in front of everything, again. <laughs> dude. It's back. I'm telling you, it's back, dude. Uh, so gross. Yeah, it's that was a dark era. <laughs> Let's all forget. <laughs> um, I mean, the eras haven't gotten any brighter just for different reasons. Oh yeah, so. for sure. I will say, you know, I I like a game. Something. It was one episode this year. I can't remember which one, but we were talking about how like. It does sometimes feel like as fidelity increases in games and like it's easier to get, you know, cheap assets and, and stuff that make your game look better. It feels sometimes that um, like visual design and art style is taking a little bit of a backseat in modern games. And yeah. um, I was thinking about that a lot because I just started playing Tunic, which is a 2022 game that I can already tell would have definitely been on this list had I played it earlier in the year. So maybe it'll be next year or whatever. But that game has such a beautiful and striking art style and I love it so much. And it really just made me realize like how much I missed that uh, in video games. Cause like even looking at yeah. my list and the games I like, you know, there's only a handful of them that I think have a really striking art style or visual design personally and especially if you say is it unique that chops it down to basically just like one or two you know what i mean mm-hmm. yeah and so it's like as someone who really likes that in games who appreciates design and visual art and all that stuff uh i really like it when a game has a unique sense of visual design and unique aesthetic um so i think that's something that is is very very important in video games and i think it's something that kind of gets left behind when people focus just on like graphics like oh does mm-hmm. it have good graphics and it's like man I'm so over that dude I'm so over just the realistic I'm so over the same like cookie cutter bullshit like give me something with some fucking style dude and yeah Tunic Tunic's got style for miles baby that shit fucking yeah. whips ass I mean the ascent at least like did you ever play Ruiner that Devolver game no. That's just like it's kind of short. It's like a twin stick. It's like not even an RPG. It's just straight up a twin stick shooter. That's like yeah. a cyberpunk thing. Uh, well, if anyone's played that, like, imagine you made that into much more of a like RPG questy game. It's sort of like that. I think Ruiner had like a great aesthetic. Like, I mean, all the little pieces probably weren't anything new, but um, yeah. You know, for sure, for like, sure. Like when you think of the way that like Control did like its title cards and stuff, like yes, maybe stuff like that's not like new, but like how you use it when you use it is like really important. Well, so. I mean, Control is a great example because that's a game where like, yeah, it's borrowed definitely and it's influenced heavily, but like the way that they wove it into every aspect of the game was very impressive, yeah. and I give them a lot. And I said that in an, another recent episode, we were talking about like big like triple a games that have a strong sense of aesthetic and design and like that is definitely one and it's very intentional and it hits specific notes that i really really appreciated and i i love the aesthetic experience of playing that game even when the gameplay mm-hmm. was a little frustrating i was like all yeah. in 
on the look and feel. And I mean, you know, we're going to, I mean, all right, let's just say this. I spent all of 2021 mostly playing FromSoft games. <laughs> like, that's, I remember. that's what I did. So I'm going to talk a lot about FromSoft. That's a big reason why I like it and why people like it. Like, there is a very unique and immersive sense of aesthetic and visual design and everything that goes into those games. And sometimes it's even more impressive because it isn't like you've never seen it before, right? Like, they do yeah. kind of initially scan as just, you know mid to large budget 3D action adventure games, right? And so it's not something you've never seen before, but the unique touches, the way everything comes together, the way that it immerses you in the world is super impressive. And so like, yeah, like Elden Ring. Elden Ring didn't necessarily have shit that you've never seen, especially because we're so deep into FromSoft's like canon now, right? Like a lot of the really eye-popping weird stuff was like straight out of Bloodborne, for example. But the way that it all came together and the way that that world, you know, had that look and feel was super cool and super impressive. So, you know. Oh, yeah. I think it's I think it's the most impressive game as far as like finally getting all of those like pulled from influences to gel together. Oh, yeah. And like you could probably make a case that like Bloodborne's got a better cohesive style because it's it's set in one place, essentially, in like a time period. But you know, for like Elden Ring being as like huge, like map based of a game as it is, like I, I think, I think that's yeah. They finally found a way to get everything to to come together. Yeah. Even if they still haven't given me like cool armor or weapons and like <clears throat> fifteen hours of gameplay, if I find one more staff, dude, I'm gonna lose my mind. <laughs> All I find are like fucking spells and staffs. I'm like, what is the deal? Yeah. Uh, I want a big sword. Give me a big... I've been using the poison dog sword that I got from that little mini boss battle for like 20 hours. Yeah. Uh, Int Dex is definitely easy mode. Big sword is hard mode. And I did my first playthrough on hard mode. So that's a little... Well, I am deck scaling with a big sword. Mm, that's better. That's like medium difficulty. <laughs> yeah, like it's 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 one that scales with dexterity. Um, but I I know I had to have a certain like strength level or something to actually like be able to wield it effectively. Yeah, my my first build was strength strength, and that was very difficult, but it was fun. <laughs> anyway, um, nice. speaking of fun, uh, so next entry on the list, it's not a specific game, but it's the creator Chilla's art. Uh, I got super into this dev this year. I'm a huge fucking fan. I think they, one of the games I played came out this year. I think Closing Shift came out this year. But um, should check because I I do want to play some more of those. Yeah, those games. Um, I didn't play anything. I haven't played anything besides uh, Convenience Store. Yeah, we played the Convenience Store for one of the indie episodes I talked about. We did two, you know, in the second half of the year, and they were really fun. You should listen to them. But um play the convenience store and then i played the radio station and closing shift i think i even played one more um these games are fucking great they're lo-fi they have the kind of vhs aesthetic but it's done very tastefully they're very heavily influenced by j horror and they're very japanese in the sense that they're all set in kind of like realistic uh japanese like city and town settings like you're always in kind of a mostly like small town kind of setting, but yeah. there's urban touches. Like there's convenience stores and there's businesses and there's apartment complexes and things. And so it has that kind of um, real life type of feel. Things are, you know, 
look the way you'd expect them to look. Things are realistic in a certain sense, but then they're this also this kind of outlandish supernatural J horror stuff going on constantly. Um, I've been praying that someone would make games like this for like 20 fucking years. And so someone finally did. Yeah, damn. I didn't realize that there were this many games in the, uh, in the chill is heart uh, canon and the extended universe. Yeah. So they're extremely prolific. It seems like they've been doing this for a while, but it really kicked up in the last couple years, um, which is really cool. Uh, yeah, I'm excited to dive in and play more. I think eventually I'll do a chill is art ep of the show of some kind. I don't really have a, a structure yet. Cause I've just been really enjoying playing these games and yeah, I think they're fucking great. I think that stigmatized property might be like the same map that the convenience store was in. So I wonder how many of those games are like, it's literally the same little like town area. Yeah. But like a new thing is happening in it, which actually sounds really cool. Yeah. Like this dev is on to some really cool stuff and I'm it's it's happening like it's emerging. They're still making games and all this stuff. So I'm still curious to see where this all goes. But if you're a fan of, you know, first person walking sim type games that are on the indie side and if you like J horror, you have to play these games. We talk about it more in that one indie app. Um, but yeah, I'm just a huge fan. It's been low key, like a major revelation to find this dev and get in their stuff for me personally. If you share my tastes in that regard, you have to play this shit. You have to, have to, have to. Um, also, if you're like a fan of the game Siren and just the general kind of vibe and aesthetic of that game, I think there's a lot of that in these games. And But yeah, check it out, man. This is really, really good stuff. And I think similar to what we were saying about Anatomy, I think this stuff really impressed me for a lot of reasons, but a big one being that this genre is so cookie cutter and sometimes it's so bereft of like new ideas or actual like good shit that when you find something like this, it's very shocking in a good way. And uh, I think it's definitely worth checking out if you feel the same way. Like if you're tired of all of this stuff and you're just like, God damn, uh, this sucks then check out Chilla's art because that stuff is really good. Convenience store yeah. is a great place to start. Um, and also the radio station. That one's a little more wonky and kind of hard to parse, but convenience store is a great place to start. Very accessible, yeah. very fun, very simple game. They're all on sale too on uh, Steam right now for uh, anywhere between like three and like $6 depending on the game. Yeah. Uh, and like at that price point too, um, it kind of reminds me of like there was just a period of my life where my then girlfriend watched a lot of um, like I guess that was a point when like every movie theater had like at least 70% of the like Tartan Asian Extreme like uh, movies on DVD right so she just like rented those all the time <laughs> so I was always watching uh, I, yeah, I didn't see all of them but like I know there's a lot of um more popular ones that I've heard referenced in the year since. And uh, yeah, I think it like 269 a pop, like it actually would probably feel sort of like going through that. Cause I know a lot of people have had sort of like a, a J horror film phase uh -huh. and you know, you just kind of, yeah, you in a time where you could just go rent DVDs for two or three bucks a piece and you, it's an hour and a half, two hours of your time. So I don't know, maybe have yourself like a blockbuster night, but just <laughs> quote unquote rent four of these chill art games. Yeah. Well, that, yeah, that was how I got really into the genre was like, 
I watched The Ring and you know I read about it and it was like oh it's based on a Japanese movie and I was like well I gotta see that you know because The Ring was like the best movie I'd ever seen at the time and then we happened to have in our suburb there was a really good video store that had all that Tartan Asia Extreme stuff so started renting that watching those and then I moved into the city and in the city we had Nicolette Village Video which is like a legendary store like very legendary and they had a giant section that was just East Asian horror movies um, and they had everything and they also had a deal where you could rent I think it was four movies for five days for five dollars um, I think that was the deal and uh, yeah I think everyone had one of those at some point in the yeah at least definitely in their like later years there was definitely a big like if it's not a new movie you can get like an ass load of them for yeah basically a dollar a pop yeah Exactly. And so, yeah, I would just go get, um, you know, four J-horror movies, watch one a day, usually take them back early because I didn't need them for five days. I'd watch one a day or I'd watch them all in like two days, you know, and then Mm -hmm. go back, (laughs) do it again. And yeah, I watched a fuck ton of movies. It was super fun. Um, You know, it was it was fun because there were definitely websites where you could find out about these movies. So I wasn't always going in blind, but there was stuff that wasn't on there that you couldn't find, or there was stuff that they were under different titles. It was hard to, hard to tell what's what. So yeah, it it had that same feel. And yeah, these games can kind of recreate that experience for you. Like you said, perfectly where it's like, yeah, you spend like, well, you know, it's inflation. So now you spend 10 bucks, you get a handful (laughs) of games. They'll collectively take you, three hours probably to play all of them tops and uh yeah you just have a great j-horror experience and um, i like i hate to be a boomer but the one thing i'll be a boomer about is definitely like the loss of a of rental culture oh yeah everyone's need for constant you know at their fingertips entertainment kind of the only thing i'm upset about dying as a result of that i think is uh is being able to rent stuff oh yeah like I could go buy a bunch of used like random movies for four dollars or whatever, and it kind of would be the same. But like, I don't want to own that. I don't want to have that. I don't have to keep up with a bunch of that junk. Yeah. I just want to watch it. Yeah, video stores were really, really great. Like, yeah, really, really great. And if if you lived in a place that had a decent one, I mean. Basically, like the two things you needed was for me personally was like a good horror section and a good like criterion section. And like that was a good video store. And yeah, yeah it, w- it was magical. It was a lot of fun. It was just a great way to like spend a weekend and to watch a bunch of fucking movies. And uh, yeah, I miss it dearly, especially because like going to the video store was fun. Whereas, like, yeah. trying to find weird illegal streams on like extremely shady <laughs> websites of like, movies that are like very questionable is like not fun it's stressful and it sucks and i hate it and i need to go back through my history somewhere or something because i found um it was when i watched uh cairo and the hospital i found a website that was kind of like a library sort of but it was like if you uh, if you were a student like in theory anyway like i think they had a thing where they're like type in your school or like the id code for it and we'll tell you if you can use this and i could Oh, so it like, yeah, let me make an account. And I just watched that movie without ads or anything. Like it was literally like a video library. Nice for students. Um, I should probably find the link for that. Yeah. And post it somewhere. Yeah. 
but that's how I watched that, which was the worst place probably to watch that specific movie was was uh, from a chemo bed at like 11 p.m. But uh, yeah. I sure did it. Well, yeah, you did. I'm I might argue that's like the most appropriate place, really. So I mean, appropriate uh like thematically definitely yeah them- like the, thematically the, to be clear the best thing to be done with your time no maybe not no no, no definitely not yeah thematically though uh mm-hmm. i will say though that you know as i've said over and over to be is kind of the new mvp for east asian <laughs> yeah, shouts out to Tubi Dude, for real eternal unending gilded shouts out to motherfucking yeah. Tubi because those fuckers have so many fucking East Asian horror movies even shit that like is also on Amazon that you have to pay like five dollars to rent that shit's yep. free on Tubi you just have to watch some Greek gambling ads and those ads are I tight. love ads though ads are fun because it's like commercial break and you get to like because everyone you know everybody checks their phone we don't have to pretend that like we're all special and we're like i never look at my phone like no we'd be looking at them phones yeah. so like you it's a great opportunity to do that and then you go back to watching it for like 20 minutes yeah i watched that's how we i think that's yeah how we watched at least two of the twilight movies when we did that whole marathon hell yeah like they they were like timed so i think it, they all went away before we finished them i think we had to like pay to rent <laughs> the um the right. last two or something but yeah. uh yeah no that's how we watched that shit and it was yeah it was great it was like you get a little break because it's not too intrusive like i think it was literally every 20 25 minutes so you get like a good chunk and yeah yeah nothing wrong with ads nothing wrong with it yeah to be get into Tubi, guys you just you have to um i i pay for a lot of different services and stuff and i still use the fuck out of Tubi. so Tubi MVP. Let's keep moving here. Let's keep this rolling. Uh, next one is it's a you pick, but it's one that I highly co-sign and that of course I've played. Yep. It's the Resident Evil 3 remake. So you played that this year. Yeah. I mean, not a lot to say. This is a, just a short shouts out because that's I had to put it on the list. I played played it for the first time this year and I played through it five times, I think. Yeah. For a second, I was going to go for like full Chivo. Um, but then I booted it up on Nightmare. Uh huh. Or I don't remember if it was Nightmare or Inferno, one of the two. And like I, I was like, nope. Mm-mm. Nah, I think I'm, I think I'm good. I like, I got, I got every achievement that wasn't tied to those difficulties. Yeah. Um, and I was like, okay, I don't have to 100% this game. I've played it through five times. It was fun every single time. I'm sure I'll play it again one day. But yeah. I was like, no, I great, great time. I paid fifteen dollars for it. I loved running through it. It felt like a it felt like a game sorta of made for that. Uh yeah. I don't understand how anyone could be I could I could see being upset about that game at like sixty bucks, sure, because you at face value you're getting a three to four hour game. Um, if you're sort of playing it very deliberately as like a fresh experience. So sure, but I'm not here to debate the price of a video game yet again. Um, yeah, I think it's a great game. I think just not looking at money, I think it's a 10 out of 10. I think everyone should play it. I won't hear uh, a con word about that game. No, it's amazing. It's so yeah. fucking good. I, I mean, listen, I played $60 for it. Or what did I just say? I paid sixty dollars <laughs> for it, and you definitely pulled a lucky number, Slevin, and said like slicksty. Oh yeah, dude. <laughs> listen, 
I played Slixty oh, Lawlers man. for this flicking game, and I want to tell Lee-lee-lee. you that it rips. I was not disappointed. And here was my thing. I played through it and I was like, damn, that shit was fun. I'm gonna play it again. I played it twice through just back to back. And then I played, I think I did the same thing again, like a year later where I was just like, oh, fuck it. I'm just going to play it. And I played and I was like, damn, that was really fun. Let me play it again. I mean, I think this kind of goes back to the, this is almost like the inverse of Signalis where it's like the old school elements make it so that it's like fun to replay because it's hard. This is like doing the Metal Gear Solid thing where it's like it's a game that's just so fun and breezy and engaging that you just want to play it again because it's easy to play again. You know what I mean? Yeah. And like it's just easy to like credits roll and you're like, man, fuck that. I'm hitting start and just playing it again. And uh, I really appreciate that about it. I think it's a really fucking fun game. And I think that like like Resident Evil 2 remake is a really good game, right? But that's also one that gets so it becomes such a slog at moments, especially the parts where yeah. you're running from the big guy. Um, mm-hmm. That I kind of hit a point with that game where by the time I did the full play, like the classic full play where you play through it like four to six times or whatever, I was kind of like, I'm good. I don't really want to play this game again. Whereas like with three, I can definitely see myself playing it again, even though I've played it for the same amount of playthroughs as I did too. So yeah, shouts out to that game. Super fun, super great game. Yeah. Um, Okay, so let's move on. A couple games I threw on here that are basically from 2021, except I did play them more in 2022, so technically it's true, but because I didn't do a year-end list last year, I'm bringing them up again. What the fuck is up, Solar Ash? Why have you guys not played this? <laughs> I'm saying that because I know you listening didn't play this because nobody played this fucking game. What is wrong with you? Why didn't you play well, Solar Ash? I know why I didn't yeah, play Yeah, okay, it. Justin got cancer. What's your excuse, listener? I'm talking to the listener <laughs> right now. Okay. There's there, like I remember, yeah, I remember being really hyped for it because that announcement came not too long after like I played uh, Hyperlight and we did that episode. Yeah. Um, because yeah, yeah, the timeline is uh, I played, uh, I think I played Hyperlight around the time I was diagnosed. Yeah. And like beat it before. I think I beat it. We recorded that episode before I had my first surgery. Yeah. Um, yeah, and so I was like, you know, at that point, I was like, well, I'm good. Everything's done. I'm all good. And I was excited for Solar Ash. And yeah, Solar Ash came out like while I was in the hospital for chemo. Right. So <laughs> I was like, I can't play it. Um, like money was really abstract at that point. So I was like, I'm not I, I'm not going to pay $45 for this game. Yeah. Currently, blah, 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 blah. And like, here we are now, and I just still haven't played it. I will. I swear to God, I yeah. will. But no, it's it's like, it's, uh, it's just been a weird year. So it's such a good game. It has such a good, like, it has a really good hook. It is hard to get into, which I talked about in that episode. Like, there is definitely a getting to know you period that is, you know, as difficult as any kind of weird obtuse video game is. But once you get into it, it's so good. And I think that hook of them basically making a modern Dreamcast game that, like, combines, you know, Soul Reaver with Jet Set Radio with, like, you know, some, you know, early FromSoft stuff or whatever, like, all that coming together. It's so good. And it's 
everything that people like. And it's even more mind boggling to me because like I just started playing Tunic. I love Tunic. It's great. Everyone's like Tunic. It's one of the best games of 2022. Easy dub, whatever. And like they have so much in common. And yet whenever Solar Ash comes up, people are like, looks like shit, didn't play it, played it for a bit, didn't get it, blah, blah, blah. Even now, like when they did that announcement of the new Hyperlight Drifter game, there's so many people crawling out of the woodwork being like, Hyperlight Drifter sucks, that game sucks, this company sucks, blah, blah. And it's like, for a company that seems to be pretty successful, it also feels like they can't fucking catch a break. And then people <laughs> just like yeah. relentlessly shit on them for like doing things a little bit different. You know what I mean? Because it's like, with Hyperlight Drifter, they could have made it more cookie cutter, and I think more people would have, like, quote unquote, gotten it. And it's the exact same with Solar Ash, where it's like they could have made it way more cookie cutter, and more people would have been like, oh, I get it. But, like, that is whack. That is not how you make something cool. That is, like, the opposite yeah. of, of cool. And Solar Ash is so cool because it is so unique. It's like a kinetic jet set radio style like rollerblade racing game that's also a third person action adventure game that's also kind of open world and exploration based that's also super mysterious and it's like and it has a cool story and it has a cool twist and it's like what more do you want out of a video game it's the best game it's just the best fucking game play this yeah. goddamn game I, I don't get how how like the souls games became so prolific because my read on like the current times is that like if a game asks something of you up front you know yeah and like i say that in a in a way that means more than like the way like a jrpg might take a few hours to like get going right like you're, you're watching a lot of exposition and like cutscenes and all that shit like in a jrpg maybe and but like you know that's expected for that franchise at least a little bit like, I think most people don't want, they want the numbers to start going up like pretty quickly. Right. And they like, if it's going to ask something of you the way that like, I mean, I haven't played Solar Ash, but I know, I know from what I heard about it, it there's an acclimation period. And I know in Hyperlight, it presents itself sort of as a, a Zelda like game, but pretty quickly, you know, those rules don't necessarily apply. And it's a little esoteric and you kind of just have to like stick with it as you sort of figure out what everything does. Yeah. And once you do, you, you know, you catch your footing and it's like a really rewarding game. I, yeah, I don't think that most people want to do that. Um, even though people are always like, I wish games were like X, Y, and Z. And yeah, like they're usually referencing that period from like the fifth generation, like, and like early sixth where people were making games like Jet Set Radio and people talk so fondly of like games like that. But then when they have to play it now, they're like, well, it's not the same. And I'm like, do you know that? Have you played them side by side? Or are yeah. you basing this off of like the nostalgia and the memories you think you have of playing a certain kind of game? Yeah. So like, yeah, well, here's people spend their time on so much insane bullshit that I think that you can give a game made by someone you know is like an intentional developer that's like trying to actually make a piece of art. Like you can give them a couple hours to like really make sure that you don't like it. Yeah, for sure. And like, all right, here's the deal. The theme of 2021 is that most gamers are one thing. They're lying ass 
hoes. <laughs> That's what gamers are. Because <laughs> everyone is like, Resident Evil 3 is my favorite Resident Evil. And then they play the remake yeah. and they're like, it's so different. And it's like, all right, if you had actually played Resident Evil 3, you would know that they can't just do that game because that game just doesn't work. And it doesn't work in the modern day. And you would see how much that they took from that game because they took a lot. They just cut some things as well because like, of course they cut some things. And it's the same with Solar Ash where it's like, well, if you guys actually played Dreamcast games and were actually around at that era, then like you would know that this is very faithful to that style. And yes, it asks a lot of you as a player and it asks you to like walk with it rather than just it meeting your expectations of the genre. And it's like, if you weren't around at that time and you haven't played those games, it's fine. It's actually totally fine. You're fine. But just don't pretend like that's your favorite shit and then someone puts out a really great game in that style and you're like, it's not the same. So, yeah, I was very frustrated that year with the response mm-hmm. to Resident Evil 3. I, Resident Evil 3, maybe that came out in 2020, actually. I can't remember. I think it was, yeah. Or, I think it was around that time. Well, No, it definitely was because, yeah, it wasn't. I wasn't on the show then. Yeah, and I think y'all did an episode covering that one. So. That was twenty twenty, but it was still the same thing. People were still complaining about Resident Evil Three, and I was like, "Man, you fucking suck!" And then like, yeah. people complain about Solar Ash or just ignored it or whatever, and it's like, you guys suck. Like, it's totally once again, it's fine because like the Dreamcast ultimately was very niche. A lot of people just haven't played it or don't have any experience with it. But you don't need to just like make up this version of that and then get mad when people don't like do the thing it's ridiculous i don't know i can't wait to see the comment section on uh armored core stuff yeah oh yeah exactly a series <laughs> that like none of you fucking played you know what i mean i know you did and i did i think a lot of people played it for a some like amount of time because i mean you know rental was a thing back then i think a lot of people are like robot and they tried it um but i think as far as people who are like i like armored core that's maybe less yeah um, well, and those games. But I'm are, sure everyone's gonna pretend they were like a real head. Yeah. When this next one comes out. It's so dumb. It's just like admit that it, you didn't, and it's fine. Or like admit that you played a lot of those games and couldn't really get anywhere because they're too fucking hard. Because that's my. That was like, me, baby. Yeah, that was me. I had so many of those games. I was dog shit at them. I played hours of like Armored Core, Robotech, Front Mission Three, like all these okay, games. The Robotech game on like the PS2. The, that was yeah, because it was on everything. Yeah, they like put it on every console. Like that game was actually pretty good. I think yeah. I have a copy still. But it's it had the same problem as Armored Core, which is that it's it's harder than shit. <laughs> it's harder than shit. I got pretty far in it. I I don't remember if it got too hard for me at some point. But yeah, like well, I just was also like obsessed with that as a kid too. Well, so like yeah. A game based, a game that played pretty okay, actually, based on like an anime that I liked was like very rare. Yeah. So like that game felt pretty solid to play. Yeah. No, no, no. That's what I'm saying. Like I enjoyed playing all those games because I also grew up obsessed with giant robots, obsessed with giant robot anime, all of that shit. And so, Mm -hmm. like, you know, by the time I'm a teenager, it's not, like, my life anymore. But if someone puts out a cool game in that style, yeah, I'm going to play it. And I played a lot of all those games. I was not good at a single one of them. And if they put out a new one, I'm going to at least check it out and be curious. But I'm not going to go in like, if this doesn't meet my standards, it's not a good game. Because, like, 
I didn't even get it. Like, I didn't fucking get it. Like, I played a lot of Front Mission 3, and I was fucking horrendous at it. And, like, it was just, like, a neat game with kind of cool music and an interesting UI. And I was like, oh, this is kind of a fun game. Like, I suck ass at it. But, like, I think they are making a new Front Mission also. Yeah, and it's, they're making a remake of the first one, I think. Yeah, I think it's actually already like out, a, even. Maybe, I don't know. Yeah. It's, on, it's a Switch game, I think. There's a front mission. Yeah. Well, Reboot that, of some kind. That one I probably won't check out because I'm uh, an adult. But, uh... <laughs> wow. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, I mean, the new, new Armored Core, I'll definitely check out. But I don't go into it being like, I know what this needs to be like. And I know that it's going to be good. And I'm going to like it. Because it's like, I, no, I don't know that. I'm dog shit at these games. I'm yeah. I'm just excited to see what that's going to be like. And yeah, in this in this post Souls age, you know. Yeah, they're saying it's not going to be Soulsy, but I think that's just them just trying to. I mean, a very yeah. like deliberate combat style with a certain you know flair for difficulty. I think is just who they are at their yeah. at their core. Pun intended. So I think. Um, I think it'll be like that. I think it will just. I think you'll draw more comparisons to like Souls games in the modern day than you'd be like, yes, this is an updated Armored Core game. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, it'll be fun to see everyone pretending like they actually played Armored Core. And uh, yeah, so uh, anyway, play Solar Ash. It's the best. Um, okay, next. A game that you played that I didn't play. I know what it is for sure, and I'm well acquainted, but I still haven't played it yet, which is Stray. Yeah. But fraudulent you, yeah very very but you like this game yeah i forgot i forgot that it is also in its own way kind of a cyber punky game yeah um so i guess it's an, another good reason it's on here uh yeah no it's it's good i everyone knows the cat game by this point i don't think i have to say too much but uh i do have to like I'm just going to get mad about that narrative that was kind of going around. That's like, would anyone play this if it wasn't a cat? And I'm like, yeah, yes. Like I could have been one of the robot people and it still would have been fun. It's just more fun because you're playing as a character that can't communicate traditionally. Right. Well, you're, I guess you're playing as two characters technically, but um, no, it's, you know, it's a fun, it's a almost Ghibli esque, like whimsical story about, you know, trying to get out as it as it were there's not like a you know a ton of writing because the only character speaking most of the time is like the little robot in your backpack mm-hmm. hey, you get a robot in the back come on man you play as a cat with the robot in the backpack that's, that's cool that's just um, cool and you get to yeah and you get to do the thing where you walk up to like soft surfaces and you get to make biscuits um you can sleep you can take a nap you know yeah um that's great the cat stuff is like cute and fun but like you know it's got a really nice aesthetic um, I don't know how familiar you are with it, but it's sort of a like a post-apocalypse setting, but still kind of like vaguely cyberpunky. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, it's just there's fun story. The interactions are enjoyable. The the puzzles can be fun, if not, you know, maybe a little predictable after a while because you're like, well, I'm a cat. I know I'm gonna push something off, or I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna jump up on something, whatever. But yeah. um, no, it's like I think everyone who likes any of the stuff I've mentioned probably would enjoy playing it if they haven't. And it's got enough of its own little horror edge to it that, you know, maybe one, maybe one day we'll talk about it. I don't know. Yeah. Oh, uh, for sure. I I'm going to play it. It's, 
I don't feel like I'm, you know, I missed a ton of stuff this year, but I definitely missed this one. I missed Tunic. Um, there's a handful of things that I just was like, oh yeah, I should have checked that out. Um, this one was one I was going to play. I think I was going to play on launch, but I wanted to play it with Monica and she was working on her show. So she was like too busy. I think Stray did come out like <laughs> literally like two days after I lost my job. Yeah. And so I was like, yeah, no, I need this. I'm going to play this. I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I don't need that job. I'm going to play this really great video game because <laughs> I have all this time. Yeah. And, you know, for and at that specific point in time, it was, uh, yeah, it was very cozy and I wasn't in a bad place. <laughs> yeah, so for sure. It was uh, it was good. Yeah. And it still is good. Um, I still need to replay it so I can do some achievement stuff. But uh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, no. Um. Okay, well, yeah, that's one that we'll talk more about later because I'm going to play it for sure. But yeah, looks really cool. Uh, okay, here's another me pick here. Uh, Dark Souls 2, another one I played right at the tail end of 2021, and then I played more of it into 2022, and I kept playing it basically right up until um, Elden Ring came out. Uh, insanely good. good game. I love it so much. It's so massively underrated. I did a Patreon episode about how to get into it if you haven't gotten into it. It's another game that a lot of people haven't played. They pretend like they played it so they can shit on it, which sucks, and I hate that because it's so, so, so good. Uh, I think that playing Elden Ring was really interesting right after playing Dark Souls 2 because I feel like it, they took a lot of the things that they were doing in Dark Souls 2 and just fleshed them out more, but... Uh, yeah, I think the main thing is that Dark Souls 2 is very mechanically rich in the same way that Elden Ring is. I think it is one of the more flexible games in the series. One of the ones where you really can just play it how you want to play it, uh, which I definitely appreciate about it. And yeah, I loved it. I was super taken by it. It has a great story, which I really can't say about you know every FromSoft game like they all have great world building and interesting ideas but they don't all have a great concrete narrative ds2 does it's the best blah 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 just fucking play it just just come on guys just play it i mean i think it's good and i've spent a while shitting on souls games in there so hey yeah <laughs> that tells you anything yeah I, I just I just think it's really, really good. Um, and I was really taken by it and I had a lot of fun playing it. But I think that it's like the most soulsy in a certain way where like we were talking about earlier that whenever you approach a new one of these games, you can't play it like the other games. You just have to accept that you just have a framework and you get yeah. the main idea, but you don't really get what it's trying to do this one is the most like that where it's like yes you get yeah. the thing you get the idea but you really need to dive in and understand what it's trying to do not just to appreciate it but to even get how to play it at all so it's very difficult in that way not just as a difficulty thing but as a thing to interact with so anyway yeah i think the thing elden ring is teaching me is that like you go into them with the understanding that the combat's got a very deliberate style and you can't just like run the fuck in right though you kind of can with bloodborne that's all other thing but like that's really the only thing that will serve you to like remember and everything else it's best if you just like go at it however you want to go at it yeah like treat it like a sandbox until you until you confirm it as a sandbox or it very much is not yeah for because, sure yeah like i tried to like i tried to play two like one and it kind of worked, but I, like, you know, 
kind of didn't. Yeah. And I think that there's a there's a lot of quirks. And so that's why like I made that Patreon episode because I was like, well, there's a bunch of stuff you need to know beforehand. But once you know that stuff, you see once again just how mechanically rich the game is and how much choice and freedom you have within how you want to play the game. Like even I was saying something really funny happened where a fucking piece of shit Elon Musk posted his like <laughs> Elden Ring build and it was like super unhinged and bad. Yeah, but it was funny because I was like, what's actually hilarious is that he could do that build in Dark Souls 2 if he wanted to. Like <laughs> he could actually do that. And that's why I love Dark Souls 2 so much because it's like whatever horrible just brain rotted idea that you have for a character <laughs> you can do it in the game and there's a very interesting and engaging way to achieve those builds so i was saying that the way that i played it was that i made like a bootleg bloodborne character like mm -hmm. nice. when i went back home to lebanon and they had all the like knockoff stuff so we had like adiba's pants you know <laughs> i basically made Fuck a blood yeah. i made a blood borm character and so like <laughs> you know i had like a two-handed weapon and then i had like a sword and shield and i could easily switch between them on the fly because i had it set up in a certain way and the game lets you do that and then like i had a super high like carrying capacity so I wouldn't get over encumbered and I could also wear whatever armor I wanted and still do like a medium to fast roll. Like it's just, it's such a numbers based game more than the other games that like you can do all this wacky stuff. And so to me, that was the joy of it. And then you combine that with great world, great story, amazing, like kind of plot twist or paradigm shift that happens near the end of it. And I was like, damn dude like i just feel like it's what i was promised out of a lot of the FromSoft stuff and they don't all deliver that and that's not necessarily a bad thing like something like sekiro is literally the opposite of this like it's not supposed to be this kind of game but that was one of the things that people sold me on initially about these games and i don't think it's true of all these games but i definitely think it's true of elden ring and i definitely think it's true of dark souls 2 so I think that Dark Souls 2 needs to have a major critical reappraisal renaissance in the wake of Elden Ring. And it's kind of happening low key, but I want more. I want <laughs> well, more. Maybe we'll get like, um, we'll get the Last of Us style remake treatment where we'll have Dark Souls part one and Dark Souls part two, mm -hmm. you know? I mean, so people, people will like come back to it and have something to say, something new to say, I guess. I would, I would fuck with it heavily personally <laughs> i mean i was even a little disappointed to see that like the demon souls remake they didn't change anything mechanically and like because like that's a, that's a game i haven't played so i'm really not qualified to speak about it but i will say that there were certain things i had read about and even one of the mechanics is like kind of low-key in dark souls 2 that was like wow that's annoying why didn't they take that out and the devs are like we just didn't want to change anything to not piss off fans and it's like well that's kind of whack, but this is one of those things where like we think we're right and the fans think they're right. I got, you know, I don't know, but like, yeah, no, yeah. I would never want to play a remake of something unless it's a really, really old game that you just can't play well or reliably. Like if you're going to remake it, like give me some tweaks. And yeah. Some updates. 
that's what I'm that's what I'm saying. Like if if they yeah. remade the original Dark Souls and they just made every hallway wider so you can use a great sword and not constantly hit <laughs> walls, like that would be dope, dude. I'd pay sixty dollars yeah. for that shit. Tell you what. Um God, I forgot about that shit. Fuck. <laughs> yeah, you did, huh? Well, yeah well I, yeah i'm never gonna play dark souls one again sorry everyone i spent my time there yeah i've played it twice and that's enough um more than enough anyway uh let's talk about the next you pick on here which is monster sanctuary what the heck is that uh, it is um met okay uh yeah picture metroidvania style uh map layout movement all that fun stuff Instead of getting suit power-ups to progress, you get monsters, Pokemon style. Mm-hmm. Um, that all they all have like a sort of a traversal um, world interactivity sort of skill, like burning stuff or crushing broken walls or lighting torches, whatever that part is. But um, you're also using the the combat system as a turn-based like RPG sort of combat system right very much like pokemon so you're going through this world metroidvania style and you can see the enemies so once you touch them you then engage in like a it like in real time just turns into a like a turn-based battle where you've got your three party men well you, you can have multiple ones in your party but then you have three monsters that come out for the battle you have abilities buffs attacks all that all that fun stuff um and like and like you know anytime someone says a game is like pokemon but blank you know you those of us who grew up with that game series like get really excited but i think most of the time it like immediately just gets killed right because you know a lot of those games aren't very interesting or very good or some of them never even come out Right. But uh, like, and you know, when I looked at screenshots for this, I thought it looked uh, like cheap. I guess, for lack of a better term, I thought it like didn't look very interesting. The art style didn't look great. It just kind of looked like a bootleg Super Nintendo game. Right. But I got it in a bundle, and I was like, "All right, well, whatever. I'll just install it and play it. Let's see what happens." And it's actually, it looks like it looks great in in movement. Like the animations are really great, and once you're like actually in the game, full screen, like moving around, I think it actually does look a lot better than I gave it credit for. And I say all that in case anyone else looked at it and we're just like, "This looks cheap and stupid." But yeah, once you get into it. It has the right amount of depth. I like the combination of kind of traversing a world in that Metroidvania style. Um, but with little, you know, monsters that you get. Story yeah. seems kind of like fairly standard, like JRPG fare, more or less, but still engaging enough. And I'm like, okay, well, we'll see where it goes. And I've got <laughs> I've got little monsters that uh, some look cooler than others, uh, but, you know, Sometimes they evolve all that, you know, like I'm. if you just enjoy kind of the loose aspects of Pokemon, it's probably worth looking at if you also enjoy kind of the 16 bit era of of games. Yeah. Um, And you, like and it does away with a lot of like stuff maybe you wouldn't necessarily enjoy about a Pokemon game or a Metroidvania game. Like it's it's got the right mix of everything that nice. I think I like I can finally recommend one of those games to people. That yeah. isn't just like 
you know, a bad ripoff of a Pokemon game or like it doesn't work or, you know, whatever else. Well, so. it lo- just looking at it on like Steam, it looks cool. It looks like a Game Boy Advance game in a lot of ways. Both yeah, once the- you're in it, yeah, like a lot of the animations look like they benefit from like that. I forget. I think I forget what the the technical bit rate is, but like, yeah, like the GBA was like yeah. a little higher. So yeah, like you could do a little more like fluid animation or like interesting like effects. Yeah. So and it, I mean, on the Game Boy Advance, it felt like a lot of games in this style existed, like games that were kind of influenced by the Mario RPG series, and there were even mm-hmm. Mario RPG games on the GBA where like you were trying to mix action games and RPGs but not make an action RPG where yeah. you just press A to swing a sword. So, you know, there's like uh well the Mario RPG games, there was like I think uh there were the Mega Man RPG games, the Battle Network the games. The Battle Network, yeah. This kind of looks like it has a it's almost like Golden Sun meets Battle Network meets Pokemon. Yeah, yeah I, cool. I like know I uh, emulated some like Game Boy Advance and DS games. So I was just like, I'm just going to look for some random RPGs. And I was like, I never heard of any of these. And, yeah. you know, they were varying degrees of good. But I was like, yeah, you know, this is this is an interesting period for like video games that um, I'm not really sure is kind of cycled back around in a yeah. big way. No, it's that it's I super think, cool. That I think would be interesting if it did. So yeah, no, this maybe, looks cool. Maybe we'll get there. That was those were like the dominant genres I think on that handheld for me personally was like Metroidvania games and RPGs, and I felt like there was a lot of cool, interesting experimentation within those genres at that time. So it's cool to see someone throw back to that in the same way. Those cool to see like Iconoclast. It's like a game where they just were like, let's do yeah. a treasure game, you know? And so it's like that shit's cool. Yeah. I bet, and I bet that this would be, like, a pretty fun Steam Deck game. It kind of has the, like, I would love to play this on my Switch, which it might be. I don't know what is on otherwise. It might actually be on Switch and stuff, so. Yeah, I mean. It it definitely has big portable vibes because you don't, you don't really need to do too much precise gaming aside from, like, the occasional, like, uh, treasure hunting, secret finding platforming. Like, you can be pretty chill while you're playing. Yeah, it is on the Switch. Uh, and nice. it's really cheap right now. It's on sale. It's like seven bucks. Yeah, that's the other thing. I think it goes on sale on a lot of platforms for like not a lot of money. So you might think it's like a garbage game. But I, it's still being supported by the developers as far as I know. Yeah, I think they occasionally occasionally release some content. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And like it's price definitely. um doesn't this it suggests maybe like a lower quality of game but so far in my experience with it it's a uh surprising little boy hidden gem as people like to say no it sounds sounds cool i i really like stuff like that i like you know that was like i really enjoyed playing omori on the switch because i was just like this is just a big game boy and it's fun there's something about <laughs> yeah. that type of game playing handheld that's very nostalgic oh, yeah. in a good way um i'm a fan Okay, uh, well, that sounds very cool. Uh, So let's move on to the next entry here, which is one that I should have put on my list. So I'm going to retroactively say this is on both of our lists, and that's Iron Lung. Um, We talked about it once again in that indie app. Super cool. It's by David Zemanski, who did Dusk, another really great game. This one is him just going like full experimental 
very strange. You know, you're stuck navigating blind deep under a space ocean of blood in a submarine. Um, very weird game, but very unique experience, I would say. Definitely was a love it or hate it game for a lot of horror gamers this year. A uh, lot of people talking shit on it, but I think we both really liked it. <laughs> I bet. You know? Yeah, like, I... I didn't. I don't think I put it on there so much because I was like, "Wow, this game floored me." I put it on there sort of as um, to sort of represent like kind of a, a little subsection of games that I played slash some of them we played and yeah. talked about that do a really good job at sort of letting your brain imagine like a really big world. Like it gives you so little throughout the game or up front yeah. to actually know kind of like the bigger picture, but what's there is really effective at helping you craft that yourself. Right. And then the actual gameplay part is like a really, really tiny, tight loop, usually a really short game. Um, but I, play, I played a lot of those where it's really fun to have something left to your imagination and sometimes it can be even more fun to have very or to have like very little information so you have to do so much work on your own yeah and you're only given like one little snippet of like aesthetic and you know uh lore i guess i hate god i hate saying lore right but you know like you're given that and it feels really fun to play a game where your imagination's actively working even though you're looking at something yeah that is visual and has you know like the way we've talked about before how video games sort of have to blend every artistic medium into one to create like a package like it's really fun to like book style have to actively like sort of or not have to but like you have a fun time like imagining like <laughs> what's on the other side of that submarine and like what's on the rest of the planet that this like fucking blood ocean is in like right. you know what the, what the fuck like yeah. there's more there for me than like fucking everyone you, you guess everyone in the circle jerk like god of war uh-huh. and i think i get so much more out of like a, something like iron lung yeah where like no it's there could be anything out there. Anything. Yeah. And well, that's way cooler than like, no, this is your son. You hate him. Well, <laughs> you don't, though. He's a good man now. You don't hate him. You're just abusive. <laughs> like, you know, yeah. fuck that. <laughs> yeah. Go play Iron Lawn. Yeah, I agree, obviously. And I think that, you know, in horror, the old adage is, you know, what you don't see is always scarier, right? Like your imagination yeah. can always come up with something scarier than what just like a movie or a video game shows you. And this game plays into that, but it's also a game about navigating blind. So you have to use like controls and geometry and mental math to kind of pilot this ship. And it's very difficult and confusing, but it's also very satisfying. So I think it's deeper thematically. It's like a whole game about what you can't see. And so that's why it's it's weird and unsettling and frustrating. And that's why it's a fucking, it's a great horror game. It's one of the best I played this year easy so i'm glad that you put it on here because i'm taking that and i agree yeah it was great uh yeah go play that short it's cheap it's great um okay uh we're down to the last couple so we have one from each of us here my last pick is one that i meant to put at the top list and then i accidentally put at the bottom that's ghostwire tokyo because if there's one like big horror game that came out this year that i thought was just like the best one it's fucking ghostwire tokyo holy shit this game is so fucking good. It's like 
the master, Shinji Mikami, at work, doing what he does best, but also doing something completely different. In this case, it being a first-person horror game, it having a very strong, pronounced J-horror influence, not just at times, but throughout the entire game. It's how the whole world is. It's like a reimagined modern-day Tokyo where like all the ghosts and legends and cryptids are real, you know? So you've got yokai, you've got your little... uh what are they called? The little platypus guys. And you've got you know <laughs> cute talking animals and all this shit, yeah. but it's also tense and scary. It's got great combat. It reminds me of Mach and X on the Dreamcast. Once again, fucking posers. You didn't play that shit. Fuck you. Um, it's just a great game. Uh, I loved it so much. I think if you're a fan of Mikami stuff, if you're, if you're a fan of Evil Within, another game that maybe you haven't played, and you know what? Fuck you again. Uh... <laughs> But um, yeah, Ghostwire Tokyo was the best. I can't say enough good about it. It's another game that's very open-ended. It's fun to just explore and run around and do shit. And if you get into its vibe, like nothing is as good as it. And um, yeah, I'm sure it's on sale now for one reason or another. So you should fucking play it. I haven't played it. I've wanted to. I just didn't get it for any number of reasons. But the thing that makes me really want to play it is that I feel like a lot of conventional coverage of it was really unfavorable, but like what I would call a normal person, like all those people like it. And so for me personally, especially with a game that's like got this much like money behind it and like pedigree, I'm like, this has to be a case where it's just like the gamer brain set in. And people are like, well, I don't like that. It, nah, nah. And then they're going to be like, well, I played this Assassin's Creed game that I didn't really like, but like I did play it for 80 hours. Yeah. <laughs> and like those are the people that are like, well, Ghostwire just isn't that good. Yeah. It doesn't do anything special, whatever. And I'm like, no, nah, it's probably like a very fun game. Yeah. So I think at this point, so. the listeners probably realize that I've just gone full hater. That's the theme of this episode. I'm a hater. <laughs> Fuck you. That's my stance. I take. We do be doing that. Verbally abusive. I'm verbally abusive. I be verbally abusing the listener. <laughs> I mean, he is verbally abusive, guys. You don't know what happens off the mic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, this is me calling he you. He edits these. I can't. I can't speak for myself. He doesn't <laughs> come in my head. Calling you at the hospital. Why are we recording right now? Why are you weak? You <laughs> just like just you send a you you mail like a glock and a note and the nurse brings it in and you're just like shoot yourself now oh my god or something you know i love how sometimes you're like you can't say kill yourself because you'll get censored and other other times you say (laughs) shit like that you are not consistent you gotta find uh creative workarounds yeah Um, i did uh i did get my shit together enough to watch you play uh homecoming though when i was in the hospital oh nice yeah that was fun that was fun (laughs) um terrible game but fun. it wasn't fun because you hate that game <laughs> it was fun though it's fun sometimes like, you were like this is so hard this sucks and i kept being like you just need to do this you're doing it wrong <laughs> no that game does suck though and after like 40 minutes you were like wait what and then you did it and you got past that area but that game still sucks yeah it's not it's, it's terrible we did a whole episode it's objectively it. not a great game no matter what i said about it in the episode yeah it's just ugh. anyway anyway ghostwire <laughs> The point is that I think the reason I get so so haterish sometimes is because like a game like this comes out and it's just it's so good. It's just such a high watermark for so many things. And it's it's referential, but it's also original. It 
It's like the promise of video games, right? Like for years, there's mm -hmm. been this promise that like, well, we're going to get around to doing this, right? Like we're going to get around to making good cyberpunk games. We're going to get around to making good games that have a J-horror influence or that mine this certain aesthetic or that type of design style or whatever. And then it just never happens. And so when someone gives you that, it's just like, yes, let's do that. That rocks. And then when people, yeah, like you said, people will just be like, eh, I'm going to give that one a pass, but then spend a hundred hours playing a game that I think is mediocre. It's like, why are you like this? Well, why are you doing this? Like if I start watching a TV show or a movie and I just don't think it's very good, I'm not into it. You know what I do? I turn it off. <laughs> like, yeah. Why do gamers have such a hard time with that concept? And why are they like, no, you know what? Instead, I'm going to platinum Assassin's Creed, the Iliad or whatever, and take 400 hours to do it. And then be Can't like, imagine. you know, it's not that good. I thought the last one was better. Looking forward to the next one. And it's like, I don't know. This is why like I, I both love and hate like telling people to do other shit because it is a false equivalency like telling people like you shouldn't play video games because you could like learn the piano but with the amount of time that people dump into mediocre shit that they like will admit to themselves that they don't really like it's like no really let's get it going let's get that yeah. Rachmaninoff Schumann like let's fucking get into this shit let's <laughs> get you into the Suzuki method let's do anything dude what painting pottery uh life drawing like anything at this point because like you gotta stop with this this is unhealthy I hate because I love that's what I'm trying to say that's the takeaway here yeah relatable as someone who's put too many hours into some questionable games yeah i'm your life coach now put down the controller <laughs> look i've it's kind of a lot better okay no i'm i'm kidding <laughs> are you though i'm are uh, you kidding? Uh, well for you this is a proverbial you I'm talking about all those fools out there okay. all right we'll see anyway uh let's say this uh you should play ghostwire because it's great and like you know this is a game that I get why a lot of people didn't play because, you know, it's more expensive. It's a longer commitment. I get that. But it's time. Now's the time. It's winter. It's cold everywhere, not just here. Everyone's having this crazy cold temps. So let's let's play Ghostwire. All yeah. right. My kitchen sink don't work because it froze. I've never had my pipes freeze up here. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Welcome. It was two degrees the other night. So I guess, yeah. Yeah. Watch out for anything you have in your basement because uh, pipes freezing is very bad and they can burst. So I can't get into the basement of this uh, building. Well, so. then you don't have anything down there. Perfect. Anyway. Yes, not my problem. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Perfect. Uh, but that's a message to everybody. If your pipes freeze, that's really bad. You mm -hmm, should be trying mm -hmm. to unfreeze them with hair dryers and heaters and shit. And if you have anything basement, take it out of there because they might burst and uh, soak all that shit. Um, anyway, let's wrap this up. This episode is going very long. So... Play Ghostwire, last entry. It's a you pick. It's called Getting the Car Loser, which, <laughs> what is this? Um, yeah, okay. Uh, so, I, I I, believe I played this this year. I think I played it, like, around the, the start of the year. Sure. Um, I played it initially because uh, I think I think I was listening to, like, the Bombcast, the Giant Bombcast uh, or something. And one of the guys was like, I have a friend that does music and she did the music for this game. And I think uh, the main guy, the main guy at the time who like owned that that publishing thing or whatever, uh, he he was like the only person who had played it and he had like championed for it a bit in like the prior um, their game of the year coverage. 
and he kept being like well no one played it so i can't it won't stick but like i really want to like say that i liked this a lot and, right and then you know and then i found out about the music and stuff so like okay like sure a couple a couple of the people from this group that i don't hate um have said something good about this i'll check it out and because it's i believe it's free on um itch uh you can buy it on steam i think on steam if you buy the soundtrack you can get the game for free there's all sorts of weird like how you buy it around it but it's pretty accessible in that regard so i think if you don't have any money you can just go get it off of itch um and it's kind of a visual novel-y uh, JRPG sort of thing, but it had like it's it's just it's fun because it reminds me a lot of Paradise Killer. Sure. Which is another thing. Like I played that game. The game was really important to me, so it felt nice to sort of play something that had a similar vibe. But um, I also threw it on here because I don't like I don't think that there is a single like cishet person that worked on it. Like, I think this game is exclusively made by people like I think it's exclusively made by like trans people and trans people of color, like top to bottom, every aspect of it. Yeah, the description of it is a lesbian road trip RPG. Uh, so that's cool. And it's by it's by the same creator as Lady Killer in a Bind, which is something that a lot of people probably checked out. And it's the same publisher as Hate Plus. So there is kind of this like underground like yeah. association thing here of a bunch of cool shit. Um, yeah, and it felt cool to like hear about it exclusively from just people really liking some aspect of it a lot and talking about it, even though like the average person just wasn't going to be receptive. Um, so yeah, so it felt like a little DIY in that regard. And I mean, it very much is it's only a handful of people worked on it, but like, you know, the writing is really fun. Like it, it feels like you're watching a very fun, not shitty, like anime, for instance. Um, I, (laughs) I think every time I played it, I was pretty, uh, tore up. So (laughs) I think it was really difficult for me to get a hold on the combat system because it's got like a slightly unconventional turn-based system or like, uh, maybe like real time system. I can never remember like all the different naming conventions for like JRPG battle systems, but I think it's. I think it is real. I think it's like um active time like battle, Final, like Final Fantasy. Yeah, like Seven. Final Fantasy. Yeah, or yeah, I guess or nine, where yeah. you're kind of it's just like the speed of a character is what kind of determines who goes. Sure. Um, but there's like you know some combo stuff you can do. Uh, character placement matters. All that stuff. Cool. So yeah, it's just a fun game where you're witches from a witch school. I think <laughs> looking for a, a thing, and it's. It's really fun. Uh, And, you know, I'm always telling people to play games made by someone that isn't just like a bald white guy that thinks he understands a woman's struggle or whatever. Right. right. And it does have like a really cool soundtrack. Yeah. um, Which is like another big thing. So it's like you can go buy the soundtrack on Bandcamp. You can buy it on Steam. Yeah. There's a lot of ways to like support all the people directly who who worked on this. So Yeah, that's a that's And a I did thing. play it this year and it was like it was in a time where I thought everything was yet again going to be okay. Um yeah. and it, 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 it still wasn't, but that's fine. Uh, yeah. so yeah, for no, for those reasons and probably some more, uh, I wanted to at least throw it on here. Yeah. Well I'll definitely check that out. It sounds cool. Um yeah, I've been thinking about music a lot because like I was playing Tunic last night and I was like, man, this music rocks. And I think my new metric for 
video game soundtracks is like, if you bought this on vinyl, would I make fun of you? And I think like with Tunic, it's like, no, the music is great. Hyper Light, no, you know, the music is great. So yeah. good music I'm is always the Paradise Killer uh, soundtrack on vinyl. Yeah, I got it. Took a while to find one that was like, act, like I think they had to repress it, and then like it took forever to actually get to me. But uh, yeah. yeah, I gotta play that. And we should talk about it because I have it. I just haven't played it yet. So, but Put that shit on the projector, man. Yeah, I'm catching up. There was I spent so much time working and working on music this year that, uh, especially in the second half, that I like barely played games besides like the yeah. big stuff so i'm catching up now i'm excited to catch up a lot in january and uh come back Feel really that. strong so well that that was it that's that was a weirdly long list of stuff that we really really liked in 2022 um i guess what did we learn i'm a hater um <laughs> you were what? sick a lot of the year <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I've been ill, you know what I mean? Yes, everything sucks. And I hope 2023 sucks. Every, yeah, everything is fucked and everybody sucks. Yes. Know? And I hope that in 2023, I want to break stuff just a little bit less. And I wish the same for you too. So happy holidays. And God bless us, everyone. It's just one of those days. <laughs> <laughs>